The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com hello and welcome to the yahoo sports fantasy podcast i'm liz loza and i am joined by both matt Harmon and scott pianowski say hi gents hey hey hi gents <laughs> i love it all right dudes are you ready to hop in a time machine with me top in scott oh yeah as, oh. Uh, as long as it's a a hot tub time machine, Liz. How do you th- how do you feel about that with a you, me, and John Cusack? I love the ref. Very current. All right, let's go do it because we are visiting tomorrow's headlines today. David Johnson, Matt, I'm going to start with you on this one. Your number one ranked running back heading into September hasn't been very number one ish. In week one, lots of ones there, he scored one touchdown, which saved his fantasy day. In week two, however, just 48 yards on 13 carries. The Arizona offense looks like not even hot garbage, but like cold garbage. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, my thought today was like, if the Bills and Cardinals played, what would the over-under be set at? I mean, a couple of miserable units. That's what the Cardinals have been at right now. They've been that kind of passing attack especially under 100 passing yards today really a bad situation I mean this is the worst case scenario for a running back because what I thought would save Johnson from a situation like this really killing his value because I think we all knew that there was a risk that the Cardinals offense would be bad was his receiving work and that is just not there at all uh didn't look promising in week one he was mostly just running like flare out routes you know theoretic type routes David Johnson is a receiving weapon he should be running routes uh but not at all today it was just utterly worse i mean he had one catch for three yards this is basically a worst case scenario for johnson not at all what i expected out of this season i would not be selling him if i had him obviously you're you are a little nervous i think you just got to hold on hopefully the arizona offense gets a little bit better with you know some more weeks to gel and hopefully josh rosen taking over for sam bradford i know i know we don't want to throw josh rosen out there to the wolves but Come on, man. Sam Bradford is out there as like basically just some rickety old machine at this point. Enough with Sam Bradford. Are you also done with Sam Bradford, Scott? Enough? He's like Sean Connery in the heist. I don't even know if Sean Connery was in the heist. I think Matt hit all the key points. It's the wrong time to sell. 
And, you know, as bad as – I don't think Buffalo wanted to go to Josh Allen as early as they did, but Peterman was playing so poorly. At some point, you just have to respect the room and do what gives the team a chance to be competitive. And, you know, the Bills didn't win today, but, you know, Allen did some good things. At least he gives them a fighting chance, it seems like. And I think Arizona's going to be at that spot really close with Rosen, where it just there's nowhere to go with Bradford. They had two plays over 10 yards today on offense, which just <laughs> won't, won't cut it. And Johnson, they really need to get Johnson unlocked as a receiver because that's the part of the game. Even if your blocking isn't great, you know you can do different things in the past game. You can mask an offensive line easier in the past game. And David Johnson was a receiver in college. It's his most natural skill that he has. As wonderful as a runner he is, they need to be more creative. It's one thing to lose the way the Cardinals are, but they're losing with a vanilla game plan. And they're you know, it's almost like they're behind 14 nothing before the game starts. Yeah, it certainly stings. Um, another thing that stings. Like, listen, when I'm wrong, like the dad in Dirty Dancing, I say I'm wrong. And I was wrong about Pat Mahomes. I expected this kid to be way less efficient. I expected him to need time to develop. I thought the offense in whole as a whole would be hurt by Matt Nagy's departure. I was wrong. In 38 completions, Matt Pat Mahomes has scored 10 touchdowns. This whole Chiefs offense is lit. Scott, should fantasy owners try to go out and get any piece that they can, even the ones that are 0% owned, just so that they can be a part of it? I think it might be one of those offenses. By the way, nobody ever puts Liz Loza in a corner. I want to say that for the record. <laughs> oh, I love you. Yeah, you know, I wish I had a lot more Mahomes. It's just there are so many quarterbacks I liked, and you, you mm-hmm. know, most leagues only require one. So I have some Mahomes, but I'm certainly he's not a key player to my season. And it looks like right now he's the breakout star of the league. And all the pieces coming together. You know, Hunt obviously off a rushing title. Kelsey's an uncoverable guy from his size. Tyreek Hill's always open. Sammy Watkins was heard from today over 100 yards. And then they threw a couple of touchdowns to guys who have low ownership or no ownership. So maybe you can take a shot on a Conley or Demarcus Robinson. And then just to make sure they push the pedal and, and keep the offense going, the defense can't stop anybody. This is a carnival. This is a, you want a ticket to this ride. Uh, they're going to be in high scoring games just about every week. The Niners next week. I wish I had more of it. I do have a lot of Tyree Kill. I, you know, I have bits and pieces of the other other guys here. But what else could you want in this setup? A great offense, a horrible defense, a wonderful designer, and all Mahomes has done. Remember, he looked great in his Denver start too. He looked great in the preseason. So we've basically been exposed to Mahomes four different times. He's passed every test. I'm fully on board with both feet. Yeah, I mean, 100. percent This this offense is. It's the perfect ingredients for fantasy success all come together. Mahomes has been the best player in the league through the first two weeks of the season. I don't know how you argue that. Um, and the most exciting part, too, is, is you mentioned, Scott, like Demarcus Robinson, Chris Conley, these guys that, you know, even if you just play in a deep league or you have some bench spots, it's okay to think about owning some of these guys because I think this is a situation, you know, much like Peyton Manning back in the day with the Broncos, you know, it's it's a rising tide that lifts all ships here, and that is Pat Mahomes and everything that, that comes with it. And you know this is why you draft your quarterbacks late and hope to stream the position, but sometimes you land on a guy like Pat Mahomes that you just roll out every week. I mean, I do have one league where I drafted him in, a, in like a you know a lineup managing league, and I feel really pretty great about just leaving that <laughs> spot alone right now. It's it's a very good feeling. And the reason why I could talk myself into pardon me for one second, the reason why I could talk myself into maybe a Conley or a Robinson is Mahomes. This is something I didn't think would happen right away. But he's shown the ability to hit secondary and tertiary receivers. You know, he hasn't been locked into one read. It hasn't been all the the you know fastball. He's throwing touch throws. He's thrown a variety of different throws and different platforms. He's thrown from. 
he he really looks like a guy who's been in the league, you know, four or five years rather than somebody who's making heading into his fourth start next week. I think he is certainly I mean, none of us are debating that his stock is on the rise, but his opponent, Ben Roethlisberger, certainly played differently than he did in week one, which was so perfect for Ben Roethlisberger, right? Like, oh, my elbow hurts. I'm playing at home. What do you know? I'm going to put on a cape and be a hero and score and pass for 450 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, and while I'm at it, I'm just going to run one in too. I mean, was this not, Matt, the quintessential Ben Roethlisberger game? This whole season has been the quintessential Steelers season. The, uh, the, the writing for the show is starting to get a little stale because it's starting to feel the same every single year. Uh, you know, we've had drama with a star player. We've had a crappy road performance against a team that they should easily beat. We've had a home game with a lot of points. And, of course, Ben Roethlisberger is hurt, and it's getting a little more sized up than it needs to be. So, yeah, this is the Steelers every year. This is who they are. And, the, the yeah, the the roads, the home road splits are very real at this point. Um, you know, coming into week one, the under had hit on Steelers 1 p.m. early road starts, 18 of the last 22 games. So, yeah, I mean, to me at this point, it, it's something you believe in. And, and this, like I said, this, this Steelers team, it's the same thing every year. Nothing, nothing to be surprised about yet. Well, I'm not quite sure the Eagles saw Fitzpatrick coming because he still got the magic. Scott, <laughs> is Fitzpatrick a good fantasy quarterback? I think we have to give him the benefit of the doubt after he's done it twice and, you know, against the Eagles defense that we all respect. Remember how bad they made Atlanta look opening game of the season. And remember, they changed their play caller. They went from Dirk Cutter to um, the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay calling the plays. And maybe... There's just something that agrees with Fitzpatrick. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson was hurt and ineffective most of the last year. He looks like a totally different player. We know Mike Evans can play. I mean, people like Chris Godwin, a lot of pieces out. Yes, O.J. Howard made a big play today downfield. There's a lot of toys in this offense. And I think people thought that Jameis Winston eventually would get back and play with the toys. But I, I think the toy chest belongs to Fitzpatrick. He's done it, you know, two weeks in a row against a good defense this week, gets the Steelers and the Bears the next two weeks. I'm assuming he'll play that week four game off a short rest. And if they're three and one or four and oh, you know, if they split those games, which I think is possible, how can they switch back to Jameis? I, this looks like anything can happen once, but you do it against a really good Eagles defense. I know there are a couple of breakdowns. The Eagles helped a little bit in that way, but I see all these receivers. I would love to have on my favorite team. So maybe whoever is going to be Tampa Bay quarterback is going to be fantasy viable. And maybe it has to be Fitzpatrick for a while. Yeah, no, I mean, it does have to be Fitzpatrick for a while. I mean, Dirk Cutter needs to save his job. He's not going to go. I mean, just the 2-0 start alone and the way Fitzpatrick has done it has been enough. I mean, you got the guy swagging out there at that press conference with that, like this chest out, the chains on, the sunglasses on. Looks like a total freaking stud up there. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think Fitzpatrick keeps his job. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network said today that, uh, that they still view Jameis as their future, but Fitzpatrick could hold this job past week four, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it, it is what he said. So I, I think that Fitzpatrick, as long as he stays hot, keeps the job. We know he's one of the streakiest quarterbacks in the league, uh, but we've seen him do this with great personnel before with the Jets, with Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. And this is great personnel, as Scott mentioned. I mean, just a ton of passing game weapons in Tampa Bay that everybody can be excited about. I think two of the points you brought up, Scott, I love that you mentioned Todd Monken taking over the clipboard and the play calling because that has changed things tremendously in Tampa Bay. And this, I don't want to say trio of receivers because that's not what they have. They have four. They have like a, whatever a four sounds like. I mean, Cameron Brait is like an after, he's an afterthought. Yeah. Cameron Brait has no catches. 
Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cameron Bray has as many catches as, as all three of us. Right. Yeah. Which He's is, the guy which not is invited wild. to the party. And also, by the way, let's also point out that their running game averaged 1.9 a pop. Peyton Barber 16 for 22, Rogers 5 for 13. So, uh, and Barber didn't have a great game in the win over New Orleans. So maybe this is an offense that has to throw the ball. Well, that's because Peyton Barber is an afterthought, and he always has been, and they're paying him a one-year league minimum deal, which is something that I said heading in, though it didn't really work out for Ronald Jones in that way. Regardless, I think the point that we're making about these incredible receivers dragging the quarterback opportunity along is is really viable here and so I mean I don't know if you ended up just on a flyer grabbing Fitzpatrick or if you have him in a super flex league kudos I mean there are people out there think about this who have Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick (laughs) on the I mean if you really waited on the position you can have both those guys I actually have a super flex dynasty league and I haven't started Fitzpatrick either of the last two. Yeah, I have Fitzpatrick in the fishbowl and he is dominating my bench. You know, he is, he is killing it on the practice squad. Let me ask you this with Barbara off to such a slow start. Does it make it encouraging to you to hold Ronald Jones? Do you think it's just going to take too long for that story to maybe develop? We know Jones had a terrible preseason. Scott, I'm still holding him. I do have him in a league and I refuse to drop him. I am as stubborn about Ronald Jones right now as Brad Evans has been about Josh Gordon. I would not. I never drafted him once. I wouldn't hold him now. I mean, he's not even getting a game day jersey. Like, yeah, sure, he could eventually get called up. But I also think that even though there's not a ton of production from the running game, they are winning uh, actual football games. And I don't think that's going to be much motivation for them to just make a change. That's a great Uh, point. That is such a great point that whether or not something wins or loses, it doesn't even matter with the efficiency. When teams win, they tend to stick with the same personnel. And when they lose, that's when they're more encouraged to change things up. That's a great point. It it may be several weeks before Jones even gets into uniform, let alone does anything fantasy worthy. I think that that may be likely regardless. I am going to hold on Holding to on. him. <laughs> going down with that ship, Loza. That's right. That's right. Hey, Brad Evans is going down with the Royce Freeman, uh, Royce Freeman ship. We're all we're all doing something. Yeah, I'm right. going down in the pirate ship, I guess. But since I did mention <laughs> Josh Gordon, we should talk about him. He's going to be released from the Browns. His future is in question. Um, Antonio Callaway looked impressive in the Gordon role. I did not expect. Tarad to throw a pass that deep or for Callaway a rookie to connect but it was interesting um Matt I'll start with you about Callaway's potential in this Browns offense knowing that you're a Hollywood Higgins <laughs> truther and then Scott why don't you take it um and maybe muse about Josh Gordon's future and the different locations he's hoping to play at yeah I know that Callaway made the big play obviously was you know could have had the Browns first win if they just weren't uh, the Browns or cursed or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I still like Higgins more. I mean, that's not going to surprise anybody. He saw more targets, was out there more on the field. So yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm still holding. I picked up Higgins in a lot of spots because I just can't quit things that apparently. Uh, so I, I, I'm still going to hold on to Higgins. I still like the opportunity there. And even though Terod did launch that deep bomb today. I think it's not going to be long before Baker takes over this job. And I do think even though he's a rookie and Terod is a proven veteran that I like an awful lot, I think that when Baker gets in there, it's going to lift the whole passing efficiency uh, up in this offense. So wouldn't that help Callaway, though? I mean, it would help. No, no. Both of these guys should be owned for sure. And there were spots that I picked up Callaway Got it. and then didn't pick up Higgins. I mean, again, I'm a Higgins truther, so I picked him up more. And he's probably the safer player, but you're right. Callaway does offer the ceiling. Nobody else in this offense really is a deep threat other than maybe David Njoku is a tight end, but that's still kind of in theory at this point. Right, right. Let's acknowledge one other thing about the Browns, okay? 
I know it's not a perfect uh, way to, to frame it, but I'm going to do it anyway. They made Drew Brees look bad today. In the other game, Drew Brees put up 40 points. They yeah. made Ben Roethlisberger look horrible. I know it's road Ben and all that. Uh, today, Roethlisberger put up 37 points. This defense is really good. I mean, I, it doesn't matter if you like Greg Williams or not. It doesn't matter if you like Hugh Jackson or not. It doesn't matter if you subscribe to HBO or not. This defense <laughs> is good. It's going to be sold out down the river by its offense at times. But this is not a fun team to play. Nope. Uh, as far as Josh Gordon, look, with all my heart, I'm rooting for it. And with all my head, I am not betting on it. I don't like receivers changing teams in the middle of a season. It's going to be a new building to go to, new terminology probably, new verbiage, new players to get used to. I mean, I can't imagine a team would add him and put him to the top of the depth chart. So he'll probably have to work his way into a role. Just, too many things are going to happen. We've seen all the time when teams – not all the time, but very regularly when teams in season make trades for receivers – it's just too big of a hill to climb before you get the familiarity and the players commonly wind up being disappointments. And then you just have all the off the field stuff with Gordon. Again, I'm a human being. I would love to see him go to a team and blow it up, but I just seen too many bumps around the road. And it's, we don't know how long it's going to take for a trade to go through for him to actually be ready to contribute to a new team. I'm a play fantasy football with a microscope, not a telescope kind of guy. I want to, dominate week two and week three. I think Gordon is probably a month away from even being on our rank lists again. I'm not going to make uh, that bet. There's another uh, backfield issue here, and I, I, I'm I'm a little bit confused by it because last week, Alfred Morris had five goal line looks and Matt Burita had zero. And this week, Matt Burita <laughs> had 14 touches and 159 yards. Now, admittedly, 66 of those yards came from a single touchdown run, but wow, did he look like the better back. Morris did not. It was 16 touches for 80 yards, so yes, technically he out-touched Brita. But Scott, which of these running backs are you going to prefer? Do you think this is just going to be like anybody's guess week-to-week situation? Well, first of all, I'm going to pick up Pierre Garçon in my downfield blocking league. Because, man, what, what <laughs> a true. beast he was on that long breed of touchdown. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, that Garçon can still show relevance, although he had a 4 for 57 line, so nothing wrong with that. But this looks like close to a 50-50 timeshare. Although Morris got those five goal line carries, he did put the ball on the ground twice in the Minnesota game. They lost the second one. Breida doesn't really have the size or the thickness to be a 20 touchback, so... Again, we talked earlier about how teams are reluctant to change something that works. I think they saw a split today that probably makes sense around 60-40 or close to 50-50 some weeks. And maybe Breida, you know, with the younger legs, a little bit more explosive. At least Morris wasn't a zero in the passing game. They did target him a couple of times. You would think maybe that would go more to Breida, although he had some issues with drops. They also threw three times to, to Kyle Huszczyk, their, their fullback. Not mm-hmm. a lot of teams still use a fullback. I think it's close to 50-50. Breida, it interests me more because he's younger, and I guess he has more theoretical upside. Maybe it's more upside of the unknown, where Morris really needs to cement. We'll see what they do when they get to the goal line. You would think next week, you know, with a really good matchup against the Chiefs, that they put up a big number, and we'll see how they're going to handle the goal. But if I'm going forward, I have to, I have to go with Breida, just the younger player. I'm with you, Scott, that I've been a Breida guy through this whole process, but the opportunities were pretty much an even split in terms of targets and, and carries. 
16 for Morris, 14 for Brita. No real lean in this situation right now. Obviously, then Brita ripped the big play here in this one. So, yeah, if you have either of these guys, you're definitely looking at them as more bye week fill-ins, matchup potential guys. And I think this was probably always the way this 49ers backfield was going to be. Even if Jarek McKinnon was healthy, it was probably going to be a situation where they use McKinnon in spots, they use Brita in spots, and then you know Morris here now is just is, is more of a late addition. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, I think, just going to be a split all year long. Nobody's going to Also frustrating, dominate. nobody got more than four targets today on the entire roster. So, yeah. you know, we want Kittle... To, to maybe be the featured guy in the offense. Obviously, they didn't have Goodwin today, which hurts a lot because he's ostensibly their number one receiver. But a very spread out – of course, they only need to throw the ball 26 times. They won't have that luxury commonly. They're going to have to score, throw a lot more next week against the Chiefs, you would think. But uh, maybe it's going to be that the favorite Garoppolo receiver is whoever is the best matchup or whoever's wide open. And that did not help fantasy owners today where nobody got enough usage in the passing game to make a difference. And Gordon, is this is one of the teams he wants to go to and is probably in on him is San Francisco. So if he gets there, you know, that just mucks the situation up even, even more. Even further, right. Yeah, so this is this is a spot where we could see him get traded to on Monday. So we'll see. Maybe you know by the time you're listening to this already. We have to keep an eye on it. Um, another thing that I kept an eye on was Blake Bortles because he is the Ooh. prettiest, ugly option. And I have to believe that the adding Andrew Norwell to that offensive line has changed everything because Bortles had so much time to operate. He looked like a real NFL quarterback today. He connected with four of his receivers. The Jags pulled off a win without Leonard Fournette in the lineup. Matt, this is your point. Running backs don't matter, but O-lines certainly do. I mean, as a Panthers fan, I'm sitting watching the Panthers just oh. drop offensive line like flies, and then I've got Andrew Norwell down in Jacksonville. It's that you know meme with uh, Wolverine when he's looking at the picture longingly. That's me with Andrew Norwell right now on this front line for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But staying staying with the Jaguars, yeah, this is an offense that has shown even during Blake Bortles' time when they want to open it up, they can they can definitely get rolling. Um, and yeah, it's. It just is crazy at this point. No matter when when Leonard Fournette misses, the team wins. They put up a big point number. I mean, running backs don't matter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you anymore at this point. But uh, yeah, like I, I think this whole offense is intriguing now because they've got a lot of talented skill position players. You know, Dante Moncrief never became the breakout star that myself and many others thought he would be, but he is a talented red zone weapon. We saw him haul one in today. Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook can both rip big plays. Westbrook over 80 yards today Ooh, and a touchdown. did Westbrook run? Yeah, he was out there. Keelan Cole made the most amazing one-handed catch along the sideline. I mean, he's really legit. So, And ASJ is out there, too. ASJ actually caught a touchdown that, that wasn't called back. Uh, one week late, yeah, Marvin, right. One <laughs> week late. So, yeah, this this offense right now has a lot of – and they kind of got Corey Grant involved, uh, probably because Leonard Fournette's not there. But I'm talking all these Jaguars that are just really intriguing at this point. And, oh, by the way, they get to play in positive game script all the time because of this great defense. So, I mean, Jacksonville, I'm not, I'm not trying to overreact to one week, but I definitely think that there's a lot of really intriguing offenses here. Scott, you're a Patriots guy. W- what are your thoughts on, 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 the, on New England? I mean, we have to assume, right, that Belichick will – get this ship righted by mid-October as he already does but is there anything you were particularly concerned about and also people who were dragging on Chris Hogan you and I talked last week about the variants coming in I I thought pretty boldly predicted that Hogan would score a touchdown and then all week was sort of like was I drunk when I made that prediction and then he <laughs> scored twice so from the Pats point of view do you have any any uh, observations well, we know two guys that Tom Brady trusts are James White and Philip Dorsett. Yes, Philip Dorsett, who Bill Belichick was complimenting all summer. And, you know, he gives out about five compliments a year. So 
Let's take them where we can. Seven catches for White. Dorsett caught five of his seven targets. And I believe he caught all seven of his targets last week. So these guys are going to be circle of trust players going forward in this offense. You, you can't get too down on a team when they don't do much against Jacksonville. Probably the best defense in the league. And I'm glad Matt spotlighted you know all those guys in the Jags offense. I mean, Corey Grant, we saw the Jags have the AFC Championship game basically won, and then they got conservative. Corey Grant wasn't getting on the field, and they tried not to lose the game rather than win the game. Today, they were aggressive. They threw when they had a lead. Corey Grant stayed on the field. It's amazing how they didn't miss Fournette at all. I mean, they threw 45 passes in this game, a game that they were ahead 14-0 in the first quarter. The 2017 Jaguars would have put Bortles on ice and said, okay, let's run the ball 19 times in a row. That's how they blew the AFC Championship last year. So it shows that they've learned their lesson. I think they don't miss a thing when Fournette doesn't play. As far as the Patriots go, Philip Dorsett's going to be a thing all season. I think he's still a thing even when Edelman comes back. 32 off an ACL blowout. I'm not going to assume he's going to be up to speed right away. We know the Patriots don't really have anything going in the running game right now. One of the great things about Belichick is he figures out his talent. Their offensive Mm -hmm. lines usually gel as they go along. But right now it doesn't look like a very cohesive unit. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to need White and Dorsett. I think those are two guys, two Patriots, who are going to be my circle of trust going forward. Nice to see Hogan off the mat get a couple of touchdowns. But uh, people are used to Dorsett. You know, he was a bust with the Colts. He did nothing last year. Why do I want Philip Dorsett? He has carved out a role on this team. I think that's a great observation. And, you know, I, I want to make sure we hit some names that people are worried about because last week, like I said, when the variance comes into play, it's so early in the season that we're not really sure whether or not we should perseverate. So Matt, I'm going to go to you. And then Scott, we're going to do each player. Royce Freeman, eight carries, 28 yards, one touchdown. Matt played Oakland today. How worried should fantasy owners be? I mean, if you drafted Royce Freeman, you definitely overdrafted him. Uh, (laughs) So you're, you're, you're worried at this point because this is a backfield split. And it's funny because you can be right and wrong all at the same time. Like I was saying this was going to be a backfield split because of Devontae Booker. And, you know, he's still out there doing whatever it is Devontae Booker does out on the field. <laughs> uh, but Philip Lindsay's the guy that's been the story. Obviously, I don't think Lindsay is going to take this backfield over and be a featured guy. He's like a, you know, Austin Eckler type player that will flash or whatever. But he's definitely, you know, a slashing type back. He looks really good. There's no way they're going to put this dude on the bench just because they drafted Royce Freeman in the third round. Like teams don't care about stuff like that, especially when they're two and zero, like the Denver Broncos are after beating the Raiders today in in, in Denver. So I think they stick with this backfield committee, uh, and that's going to be frustrating for Freeman owners, and it will eventually be frustrating for Lindsay owners as well. Scott, you were worried about LaShawn McCoy at the top of the season, like a lot of people. Um, he exited this week's contest versus the Chargers with a rib injury. I'm imagining that you are still not even nervous about LaShawn McCoy, but uh, are here to claim that which you predicted in July. Well, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. At least Josh Allen gives this offense theoretically a chance. I, we don't know if they would go to Ivory or Marcus Murphy if McCoy were to miss time. I mean, as you would expect, Allen being the young athletic quarterback, he scrambled eight times for 32 yards. As he'll get better in the pocket, he'll probably run less, as most quarterbacks do. But this is still an offense I want no part of. I know Benjamin had a touchdown in garbage time, but a very spread-out usage tree. I think 11 different guys saw targets today. Also, I want to piggyback one thing about the Lindsay pick. You know, Keelan Cole with that big game today and then that unbelievable catch, touchdown, goes over 100 yards. Lindsay has been the better of the two Denver backs through two games, and that was pretty even in week one. 
I don't care about pedigree once they start playing games. I know yeah. pedigree may yeah. get you to the front of the line, but there are tons of guys. Lindsey was undrafted. Cole was undrafted. I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick was undrafted out of Harvard. I mean, it, it doesn't matter once you're in the NFL. I mean, again, it may get you the first chance. It may get you more opportunity to fail or, or to succeed. But once you prove you can play, it doesn't matter when you were drafted. You know, Cole, he can play. You know, Lindsey, he can play. It doesn't matter to me if they weren't first-round picks or first-day picks or even picks at all. Yeah, I mean, talking about pedigree and, and on the LaShawn McCoy situation in particular, like I mentioned earlier, the one league that I have, Pat Mahomes, and I feel just so great about that. I mean, in that same draft, and it's with a bunch of industry people from Roto World and a few other sites, like that same draft, LaShawn McCoy what made it back to me at the at the top of the th- fourth round, bottom of the third round turn. And I was like, oh, I mean, I got to take him here, right? Volume at this point. And as much as I love myself for the Pat Mahomes pick, I hate myself to the <laughs> core for doing that with LaShawn McCoy because I know knew this offense was going to suck and it, and it has in fact sucked. Yeah, you know, I lucked into in one league um I had the fourth pick and it was it's just the Zeke Elliott pick, right? And at the last second I just thought to myself and I know Dallas is winning as we tape this, but I don't want to be stuck with this offense all all year yeah. and I just thought, you know, I'll go to New Orleans and hang out with the Saints. I mean, they'll just I know things are going to change. You know, maybe Kamara can't be a heavy usage back. They're going to get Ingram back at some point. But there's a lot to be said for it's the simplest thing in the world, right? Go where the good offenses yep, yep, are. But yep, as much as we want to chase opportunity, we want to chase good opportunity and points. Yeah, we want to right. chase points, and the teams that can put up points are the most generally the most talented. Deshaun Watson did a lot of that last year. His line this week was better on paper. You know, he completed 22 of 32 for 310 and two touchdowns, just one INT. But I think. Fantasy owners could still be worried. He's holding on to the ball way too long. He's making bad decisions. He was sacked four times. When I looked at the box score after watching the game, I was surprised his numbers were that good, even though I watched, you know, the Will Fuller touchdown and the well, New Hopkins I, I touchdown. I got to tip my cap to you. I was telling people not to start Will Fuller. You were saying to start Will Fuller, eight for 113 on nine targets with a touchdown. Watson, I think, has actually been a lot better than I expected through two weeks. I faded him fully in the in the preseason. We saw in the Patriots game, he was athletic, but he was off target and, and how much they missed Fuller. But I think the problem with this offense is two things. One, I'm not a big Bill O'Brien fan. And two, their offensive line is terrible. Yeah. And Watson, they're gonna. it's really going to be a challenge to keep him healthy. And I, I hate even saying that, but um, I thought the, the last play to the side where Watson went over the line of scrimmage and kind of made a mess of things, I thought he was a different player with Fuller today. And as long as they can keep Fuller and Hopkins healthy, not not the most athletic of uh, receiving groups after those two guys. They really could use a tight end on this offense. But uh, if Fuller's back in the offense, I am back in on Watson. Yep. No, I mean, for sure. The, this is kind of what you and I expected, Scott, to be a little bit of volatility with the Watson pick. Uh, he did have a good fantasy game today. I mean, 23 points. You're not going to turn your nose up at that. But he lives and dies by the sword with the deep passing. 12.5 air yards per attempt on his passes today. That was number one in the NFL uh, through, if, among all quarterbacks in week two. Threw into tight windows on 25% of his throws. So that's going to lead to some volatility. It's going to lead to beautiful big plays like what we had with the Will Fuller catch. But it's also going to lead to uh, some sometimes where he gets bitten there and uh, he's an aggressive player and that's good for fantasy but it's probably not good every single week which is why you didn't want to spend a fourth fifth round pick on right i mean this is what i thought i would get out of pat mahomes and it's right you know you know what's strange is tennessee wins that game and i'm so scared of this offense if gabbard plays and yet i don't really trust mariota we know they lost delaney walker you know, there's talented players on the Titans, and yet this whole offense kind of scares me anyway. Well, Corey Davis can't stay healthy, and his hands haven't looked good. And that brings me to Derrick Henry, who, 
you know, this is another guy who did out-touch Deion Lewis, but isn't doing as much with his with his opportunities. I mean, he had a play called back last week, so you can make an excuse then, but not this week. 18 carries and 56 yards. Scott, what should Derrick Henry owners do, if anything? I'd try to sell him after his first blow-up game. Six foot three, 247-pound running backs worry me. He's going to take a lot of contact. I think Lewis is the more talented back on the roster. Now, Lewis has had trouble staying healthy his entire career, too. But Henry, at some point, will have a big week. He'll have a big run. You know, as we talked about, the Miami touchdown was called back, that that mini series that they played in week one. But uh, I don't like six foot three, two 247-pound running backs. They just take too much contact. And if you don't trust the quarterback, if you don't really trust the overall offense, how much can you really trust the running back? Yeah, you know, Henry out-touched Lewis in this game. In week one, it was the other way around, and you can pretty much relate that right to the game scripts. Uh, obviously, Tennessee was an underdog coming into this game, but they were playing at home. They did end up winning the game 20-17 to and had a rather large lead earlier in the game before Houston started to mount a comeback. So in those games, Henry is going to be the guy who gets more touches of course it's hard to be efficient at the running back position when you're playing without your top two offensive tackles and with Blaine Gabbert behind center so yeah this Tennessee offense that I expected to be a really exciting unit has not been the case I but I definitely agree Scott I am prioritizing and have been uh, prioritizing Deion Lewis because he has the safer floor uh, with the pass catching ability which we saw more in week one Scott, let's talk pickups. You and I both liked Joe Mixon a whole lot. We thought, I mean, I believe you even said he looked Le'Veon Bell light on last week's episode. He is going to be out an estimated two weeks with this knee issue. I thought he looked great again in and out of the game on Thursday night. Maybe it didn't show up in the stat sheet, but he was certainly a difference maker for the Bengals. His absence will, I think, definitely be be felt. But from a fantasy point of view, Gio Bernard is obviously the pickup. I think he's probably leading most waiver wire pickups this week. He's owned in 27% of leagues. You like him? Or is this an overreaction? Well, I like him. I mean, you know, what's behind him, right? Just a rookie in Walton. I think they're going to have to play a lot of Bernard. And it helps that Andy Dalton's looked good for two weeks. Now, everybody shrugged off the first game. It's the Colts, although the Colts looked a lot better on defense today. So maybe that, that means more than we think. And then Dalton played pretty well against Baltimore. At least, you know, the final numbers will take. This offense is engaged. You know, A.J. Green engaged. And, you know, Eifert isn't hurt yet. They're getting something out of Ross. So, this could be a fun offense to be invested in. And I think they're going to have to use Bernard. And also when I hear like Mixon, when I hear two to four weeks, I always think about the four. I never, I, I my big thing, and I know people are probably sick of me saying this. And I don't like anybody to get hurt. I want everybody to stay healthy, but I refuse to be optimistic about injuries. You know, maybe when Mixon comes back, we need to see a week, see just how healthy he is. See if they're comfortable using him as the primary back, depending on how Bernard plays in his absence. And they know that they want Mixon to be there lead guy. I, I understand that, but I'm not going to assume that Mixon's back in two weeks. Bernard is going to be the most picked up player in Yahoo probably the next two or three days. And I'm not going to blow all my fab on him, so it may be hard to get him, but I'm certainly going to make it a contesting bid on Bernard because I, I think it's going to be more like a month where he's the main ball carrier here. And I also think a large part of his success, I mean, we talked about, or Matt talked about Derek Henry having trouble being efficient behind a banged up offensive line. I think Frank Pollock, the new offensive line coach in Cincinnati, he was formerly a 
Dallas offensive line coach has really shored that line up and made things easier. So I think Bernard, who is mistakenly just thought of as a pass catching back, but has some Dion Lewis in him and that he can also, you know, be an inside rusher is going to produce more than people are necessarily expecting. Um, Matt, let's talk about Corey Clement because he had a big game over 80 yards and a touchdown, but a lot of that came obviously with the 35-year-old Darren Sproles out of the lineup and Jay, and Jay Ajayi in and out of the game with this back injury. But, I mean, hasn't Jay Ajayi been banged up since August? How about, like, since he came into the NFL? Okay, bone on bone, but and most recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he has struggled with injury uh, throughout this whole offseason. They've been kind of light on his workload in, in practice. Obviously, he went out there and he scored his third touchdown of the season today. So, I mean, he's been paying off as a fantasy pick so far. But look, this offense right now, they had a decent stat line here in week two. But we all know they're not operating at 100% efficiency because they don't have their MVP caliber quarterback, nor do they have their number one outside receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. So this unit is still coming together. And what that all means to me, again, is just, yeah, you definitely want to have Corey Clement on your roster. He was probably a guy that a lot of people dropped after week one because not only did he not do anything, Darren Sproles was out there taking more snaps than I think people expected, and Jay Ajayi scored two touchdowns. He's the type of player that probably got dropped for like a Philip Lindsay or whatever in 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 week one, and I would definitely want to have Corey Clement on my roster right now. So I think that if he's out there, people should definitely pick him up. Scott, would you prioritize Corey Clement over Eckler? That's a great question. I think Clement has a better floor. I think Eckler's going to have Maybe if you were in a best ball league, and I know you know those leagues have come and gone. You either you have the roster you have, but I'd rather have Eckler because I think he's going to have three or four games where he's maybe going to have three double, you know, three digits of, of production. But I think from a week to week standpoint, Clement's more needed to his offense. I mean, Sproles is a million years old, as you said. Jai has a bunch of baggage. <laughs> Here's how you know you're in too many leagues. I've been, I was in a league this this week. And I looked, I said, wow, somebody dropped Corey Clement. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to put up a, a bid and try to get him when waivers clear on him on Friday. And I did get Corey Clement. The person who dropped him was me. <laughs> I, <didn't realize laughs> that I wanted, I don't know, second tight end or something, and I dropped Clement. So I, it <laughs> cost amazing. me money to pick up a player that I dropped two days earlier. I am a knucklehead. That's but, awesome. And look, how, how can you have faith in Najai staying healthy all season? And it's, it's strange. This is a team that should have added running back depth unless there's somebody in their practice squad that's unknown, he's going to step up. And again, we talked about uh, the joy of the undrafted player, Corey Clement, undrafted out of Wisconsin. What a difference maker he was in the playoffs, a big back-breaking touchdown in the Super Bowl, 100 yards of receiving. I think there's a good chance he'll be at the end of the season, we'll look back, and he will be Philadelphia's most valuable running back, period. Nice. I like that bold prediction. Because that is what we do on the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. We make bold predictions. Maybe they're not always right, but we try to give you as much information as possible and cohesive, concise opinions, not like that outro that I just attempted. But this is the end of the show, so we're going to say goodbye. You can follow me on Twitter, at LizLoza underscore FF. Matt? At Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And also follow the fantasy handle, at Yahoo Fantasy. And Scott? And because I want some underscore in my life, I'm Scott underscore Pianowski. We all have underscores. Also, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast. Give us five stars. We'll give you a high five. And until next time, win big. Win big.